We live in an age of incredible change. We have all kinds of technology we couldn't even imagine a few years ago. I have this app on my phone called Life360, and、uh, no, I'm not getting paid for this. It's just a really cool app. And Life360 lets me know exactly where every member of my family is at all times. So right now, I'm in a hotel room in Westmoreland, California, just down the street from、uh, the church where I'm the interim pastor. And at this moment, I can see on the app that my wife and kids are all at home. At least those who have phones are all at home. I love this app because I always know where my kids are, right? As long as they've got their phone with them and it's turned on. <laughs> now, 10 years ago, I wasn't even thinking I would need something like this, but now it's just the greatest thing ever.、Uh, here's something else that's different I never watch live TV anymore. Unless it's sports or news, right? Everything else is either DVR'd or streaming. Yesterday, I drove past a Sears store that I think it looked like it was being closed, right? Sears, which has been around since 1893, but they haven't figured out how to compete in a world that's dominated by Amazon and other online shopping. Also, people don't go to church like they used to. Society doesn't hold Christianity in high regard like it used to. Sunday morning attendance is down, giving is down, mission and ministry is suffering, and we don't really know what to do about it. This is where Dwight Gibson and the way of exploration comes in. Dwight has been helping organizations explore, and that's an important word, explore new ways of being, new ways of doing, new ways of fulfilling their mission. Dwight is an expert when it comes to organizational exploration. He has years of experience helping organizations find their way from where they were to where they needed to be. And he leads them by means of what he calls the way of exploration. This is a fantastic interview, especially if you find yourself, your church, or your organization in the position of knowing you need to change, but you don't know how. I'm Marcus Watson, and this is episode 25 of Spiritual Life and Leadership. Uh, I'm here again with、uh, Dwight Gibson、uh, from the Exploration Group. Hi, Dwight. How are you doing? Hey, good to talk to you again today, Marcus. <laughs> yeah.、Uh, I'm excited to talk some more with Dwight today because,、uh, well, last time he started to talk about some of the、uh, exploration、um, that you do, Dwight, in your, in your work. And so I'm excited to talk about that. But why, why don't you、um, tell us a little bit about what you do again? And I've、uh, got a couple of get to know you questions again at the start. That sounds good. Well, the Exploration Group works with organizations,、uh, whether for profit or not for profit. And what I like to say is the organization is here and wants to get to there. And they've、mm-hmm. never been there before, and they're not sure how to do it. And we help them、uh, figure out、uh, the way to get there using the way of exploration that was、mm-hmm. used by great explorers throughout history. Very cool. And how long have you been?、Uh, 
How, how, how long has the exploration group been around? How long have we been doing uh, we that? Started, uh, we started in uh, 2008 and uh, has mm. been doing it ever since then. Now, I, when people say, how long have you been an explorer? I say, in uh-huh. reality, I was an explorer since probably first grade, but I just didn't realize it. It took me, uh-huh. it took me years to kind of the vocabulary and the understanding of what it was that I was doing. But officially Very as cool. an organization, uh, 2008. Wow. So more than 10 years now. That's great. Yeah. Um, so let me ask you a couple of get to know you questions again, just at the start here. Uh, Dwight, what job would you be terrible at? Oh man. Uh, <laughs> pretty much. And I think this is kind of comes out of who I am. Anything uh-huh. that's kind of monotonous, if it's mm. the same thing every day yeah, over and over again, and whatever that job is, I would have a hard time with that. Yeah. Hence, you love exploring new things. <laughs> yes, very <laughs> Makes much sense. so. <laughs> and uh, here's the other question. What would a mirror opposite of yourself be like? What would a mirror opposite of myself be like? Hmm. Uh, someone who thinks really small. Okay. Someone who's focused just, I mean, deeply on detail. I have to deal with detail, but if their whole mm-hmm. world is just detail. Yeah. Um, someone who never travels, so, so, okay. someone who has kind of one perspective, that's just, okay. that's all they see and understand. Yeah. Uh, that's, well, that's a good question. Yeah. And I'm, <laughs> and I guess I, 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 to add to that, those, that's probably the mere opposite, but there are people uh-huh. who that's, there's people who that's who they are. Yeah. That they're wonderful. I, I met somebody oh, yeah. I met somebody a few years ago was talking about who I am and what I did. And they're like, man, I've I know this ten square miles. That's what I know. Yeah. I, that's where I've right. lived. And I found myself actually rather envious. Really? Because I yeah, I know people mm-hmm. all over the world. I've had lots of contacts, I've seen lots of things. But the depth of their knowledge in that 10 square miles was actually a little envious. So just yeah, because someone, and I think just maybe a, a parting comment there, just because they're opposite or different doesn't mean that they're bad and I'm good. Oh, or yeah. They're good right. and I'm bad. It's just yeah. uh, there's sometimes we need those opposite folks. My wife is very much uh-huh. a detailed person, and it's mm. helped me to have strength in what I do. Yeah, yeah. And me yeah, we turn, need to, uh, Me in turn, I've helped her see things that she would have never seen as well. So totally, totally. Yep. That's, uh, the beauty of all of the various gifts and diversity that God gives us, right? We need so each true. other. So true. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, let's talk about exploration then. Um, and uh, you've been doing it a while and there's, uh, apparently a need for it. What, what would you say is the challenge that you are addressing in your work of exploration? Uh, probably the big challenge is 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 an organization that needs to do something different. They know they need mm-hmm. to do something different, but they're not sure how to think about it, how to approach it, and they may not really know how to get there. They may have mm-hmm. an idea what they want to do, like we want to do this or we want to do that, and they so they've got that idea that's out there, but when it comes to thinking about it, how do we think about it? How do we approach it? How do we start doing it? Uh, that mm-hmm. that would be what I would say. And uh, just out of curiosity, do you think, mm, what's the right question? Uh, It it seems to me that this uh, time in history, there's just been so much change. uh, And and maybe there's always been a lot of change, but it it just seems like technology-wise, culture-wise, 
um, values wise, maybe even um, things have changed a lot. Do you feel like there's a great greater need for that kind of exploration now than in previous years or decades or centuries, or is it just a new kind of exploration or is it just kind of a continuation? I don't know. Does that question make sense? <laughs> Not fully, but let me try to answer. <laughs> okay. Sorry. So, I would say, you know, I think there's, there's always, there's always a need for exploration mm-hmm. in that there. And, and I, I think your one point, I th- it, it seems that, Things are changing quicker, yeah. meaning that from a kind of the, the technology standpoint, even from the the, yeah. the amount of inputs. There's there's so much more that comes to bear on any change that happens. Yeah. At the same time, there are some situations that just stay the same, mm. and what ends up happening is staying the same is good. Change is good. Mm-hmm. The mm. problem ends up coming is things that stay that need to stay the same that are changing, mm-hmm. which is a problem, or things that should be changing in order to have life are not. And so mm. I think it's it's kind of the the kind of the opposite that plays out that, that that is always kind of interesting. And so you've got an organization; it's been there for a hundred years, uh-huh. and it's been doing whatever it does the same way that it did a hundred years ago. Well, the reality is we're living in a very different world. And, yeah. and you could say 100 years, you could say 20 years. I, I had a conversation a few years ago with someone that said, any organization that started in the 1980s and is still functioning that way probably will not make it. Mm, yeah. And at the time, I thought, yeah, what a radical statement. But the more that I've thought about it, it, there's a certain reality is that you may still have the same DNA, you still have the hope and dream, the same mm-hmm. mission and vision. But if you're approaching your work in the exact same way as you did in 1980, more than likely that's not a good thing. That doesn't mean the DNA is not the same, but when it comes to the methodology or the approach, it it may need to be different. Uh, The the other thing that I would say, and, and this is I've watched this play out, we tend to look around the world and say, we've discovered everything. We know everything. Yeah. And it kind of it's a zero sum game. And I think that's huh. also rather problematic because whether it's in the uh, health industry, there's more more things to discover to bring us health. Mm. Uh whether mm-hmm. it's in the faith community, are there are there different ways that we could do things? Yeah, there's different ways that we could do things to to reach and meet the needs of people around us. And so if we're stuck and just say there's nothing else that can be done, that's where I think it's problematic, and I think that's where exploration is needed at those times. Yeah. And and what those organizations that say, "Hey, this is just how it is, and we're stuck here," right? They're the ones who are going to get left behind by those other organizations. Are like, "Well, let's try this." That's right. That's right. That's right. Well, and, and, yeah. and what I what I've observed over time, there's organizations that die by doing nothing. Mm. There's organizations that die by trying to do everything. And both extremes are probably wrong. Ah, okay. And so then my next question would be, but I have a feeling we'll answer this as we look at the way of exploration. Like, how do you know then what to try and what not to try? So does that get into then the way of exploration if that question? Yeah, no, it starts getting into that. And I I think, you know, the, the, the organizations that we've worked with or the individuals that we've worked with, typically a person will come to me and say, uh, I've got an idea. I've got a hunch. I'm wondering uh-huh. about something. 
Hmm. When I hear those kind of words, I know that they are not comfortable with the status quo and hmm. recognize things need to change. Uh, yeah. There's there's kind of a couple of different scenarios that I tend to avoid. This is when I say avoid, meaning from a work standpoint, I recognize that it's not going to go anywhere. Okay. One is the organization that is dying or hurting or in pain mm-hmm. and just wants to keep doing what they've always done. Mm-hmm. Um, I will be frustrated and they will be frustrated because they haven't recognized that there's a problem. Right. A second scenario is the person that comes and they're they're needing to go someplace that they've never been, but they know exactly what needs to be done. Oh, and so okay. they, they here's what we you know, here's the problem. Here's what we need to do. Well, have you done it before? Uh-huh. No, we, we've never done it before. This is new. To which, in my mind, hmm. I say, so how do you know that that's exactly what you're supposed to do? Right, right. And those scenarios. So those are ones that I would kind of avoid. Here's the ones where yeah. like exploration is possible. I'll mm-hmm. play it out like this. Someone comes to me and says, Dwight, I've got an idea. I kind of think, I wonder, I think this is a way that we could do this, but I'm not really sure I'd like to check this out. Hmm. And at that point, I ask a few more questions because it may be it may sound very vague, but there's two things that are inherent in that. One, they recognize something needs to change, but they're not quite sure what to uh-huh. do. And number two, they have an open spirit to be looking at possibilities. Hmm. That sounds important. An open spirit to look at possibilities. It, it actually is. Yeah. It's, it's, it's actually very important because that's the, and I'll come into this when we talk a little bit about the ways of exploration, that openness uh, says a couple things. One, I don't know mm-hmm. all the answers. Two, yep. I'm not just looking at kind of a zero-sum game that we already have all the knowledge. And Mm -hmm. three is get back to the openness that I said earlier. It's just this this openness. I don't have all the answers. I can't do this in and of myself. Early on, one of the things that I observed is people that I talked to. There were people to me that seemed to be really open to an exploration or to do something differently. But Uh what I recognized as I talked to them they were open to it, but they had to do it themselves. Hmm. And that they, they really weren't open into anybody else's ideas. They weren't open to working with anybody. They weren't open to any other hmm. assistance. They had to do it themselves. And what I recognize, and that's, that's hmm. not a pitch to say, oh, you always need to hire a consultant. Because you don't. You don't right. always need to right. hire a consultant. But the person that basically has to have their hand on the wheel all the time, ends up limiting yeah. the full potential of what could be done. But that that's when you have you have uh, a team of people, you have a group of people, you're open. I had, I had years ago, uh, Peter Danica Jr. was one of my key mentors. And one of the phrases uh-huh. that he used was borrow brains, borrow brains. Hmm. And he was hmm. always listening and talking to other people, asking questions. And that's the openness that I'm talking about, Marcus. Okay, okay. Wow. So that's, uh, that's good. Well, uh, let's talk about then the way, like, how do you then engage people in the, in exploration? What, what's their process? What does that look well, like? Good, good question. So there, there's, there's three phases in the way of exploration. Kind of, there's a starting phase, there's a doing phase, then there's a finding phase. And within those, there are some sub points. And so let me kind of just jump into okay. that a little bit and, 
I have to tell you, Marcus, I could go all day on this. So you, <laughs> okay. you, you, you stop me you, or, or I'll pause or whatever, but to, to ask okay. questions. So, so okay, the good. first phase is the starting. And, okay. and that's the choice to go beyond. We're going we're gonna to go beyond where we were. Okay. And the very first kind of step in that is what do we expect? What's mm. out there? It's, it's the dream. It's the hope. It's, you know, we've got a problem that we need to solve. It's kind of what you're imagining. It's what you're desired. It's that thing that's yeah. out there. Uh, Thomas Jefferson had uh-huh. an idea about getting to the Northwest. And he mm. talked to Lewis and he said, I want to go to the Northwest. I want to map what's going on between the Mississippi River and the Northwest. But I want to find mm. a passage to the Northwest. He had a dream and he had a hope. And he described it. He gave guidance. And Lewis and Clark and the expedition then mm-hmm. went and did it. There was something out mm-hmm. there that they expected. And key point, it was beyond where they are now. Okay. Beyond where they are now. Beyond where they And And uh, I imagine they felt uh, some limitation in the way things were, like the status quo. They weren't satisfied with the status quo. That's exactly yeah. right. They they were not satisfied with the status quo. The way, and if you if you do some reading on, on Thomas Jefferson, he he saw a different way. Europe had been all these little little states on the continent, and mm. Jefferson had an idea, kind of manifest destiny, that the nation mm. could, should go from the Atlantic to Pacific. He had a dream. He had saw something beyond. Uh, mm. What was it? And your your use of the word status quo is really the right word, and that leads to the second part of this: the starting. So you have what you expect, and then there's what I call the crossroads. And I've seen this throughout all explorations. And the crossroads mm. is this: it's the decision that's made to change the status quo. Mm. And say, so what does that mean? Yeah, you and I both know people, Marcus, who. They've got big hopes. They've got big dreams. You talk to them. You say, oh, that's amazing. Wow. And you get all excited and you hear them. And then you come back, pick a time period, six months later, a year later, and it still hasn't happened. Mm, yeah. And it turns out they didn't change anything. They, they, they had mm. this idea, but they didn't want to actually change anything in order to get it. Hmm. And the crossroads is a key divide between the dream that's realized and the dream that is always a dream that never happens. And it's the decision to change the status quo. So in the, in the life of an organization, it's spending some money on a, hmm. on a new endeavor. It's building a new building. It's, it's changing an office. It's hiring new staff. It's, it's hiring a consultant to help you explore. It's, right. it's saying we're going to change something. And I have found that that decision to to do that is one of the hardest ones hmm. because the status quo, we like comfort, we don't like change. My wife and I, we've just uh, completing a move. We made a decision that we were going to move from a house that we've been in for about 15 years. Family hmm. was away from home. We didn't need all the bedrooms. We didn't need the space. We made a decision to change the status quo. Man, I got to tell you, that was a big decision. It took yeah. a lot to do that. But if we so, just, if oh, we go, just said, oh, we don't, you know, we want to change this, but ever never put the house up for sale, never yeah. painted it, never did any, never looked at another option, we could have talked about that forever and nothing would have changed. So it sounds like uh, this is the kind of thing where it just something, you just need to do something to upset the status quo. It, is And maybe it's not a, 
super important what it is, just something to get you out of uh, the the typical mindset or what the, the framework you've been in for for however long. Yeah, I would agree with that up up to a point. Let okay. me say, in cha- you do need to change something, but it's not just kind of whatever. Okay. It has to be significant. Okay. For instance, that's why in, in a business situation, we're going to spend, we're going to put money into this and whatever the significant, mm-hmm. you know, for some organizations, we're going to put $1,000 in it. That's yeah. significant. Yeah. For another organization, it's ten or $20,000. Hmm. And so that decision to spend money is a decision, okay, we're going to, we're willing to do something. We're going to hire some staff. And so what I would say is it needs to be significant enough that you're willing to jump into it. Hmm. Uh, And uh, I'm thinking about uh, the language of adaptive change and technical change. You're familiar with that, Ronald Heifetz and that kind of, you're walking, you're walking down some of the same path. Okay. So it sounds like this is, okay, we're going to make it this technical change as we look ahead towards whatever adaptive change needs to come. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. And I would, here's the one thing that may be a little bit different Uh is that in, in, in management. So if you, if you have management, we, we know how to, to manage it's controlling, it's replicating. And so, you know, you're doing what was done right and you're doing it again. That's managing. Exploration, we're creating and we're uncovering. And okay. so you're, you're doing what's not been done before and you're maybe doing it in your organization for the first time. Doesn't mm-hmm. mean it's being done for the first time. Sometimes mm-hmm. it is. It's yeah. for the first time, but it's being done for the first time. And so one maybe nuance that I would say is that in some kind of the technical change and some of the change management things I hear, yeah. there's still very much a deep element of control in it. Okay. And if I would say real true exploration is sometimes you're doing things that are, are beyond your control. Hmm. That's, that's hard. <laughs> which it is hard. And that, yeah. that leads to kind of the second phase of exploration, which we, which okay. I, to, to me is really the heart of exploration. It's the doing, it's the, kind of the, the, the core part. And there's three things here. There's pondering, there's landmarking, and there's orienteering. And let me explain that. Okay. Okay. So first of all, you've 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 expected something. You've crossed the you've crossed the crossroads. You've made the decision to make a change. The next thing that happens is pondering, and in pondering, you're asking questions, you're studying, you're looking, you're observing, you're getting to know some new people. You're just trying to figure out what is going on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you may be doing research. Uh, at one point in time, you went to the, you know a library with books on the shelves. Today, you're pulling up Google and you're mm. you're digging things out. I there's a situation I'm working on that this morning I did some googling and looking up some uh, situation to get some more understanding on it. Huh. And so, in the pondering phase, you're basically just saying, "What's going on here?" You're asking the questions. You're just trying to figure things out. Okay, pondering is is very open ended to kind mm. of figure out the possibilities. And one of the things that I want to say here before I go too much further, uh-huh. managing tends to be in a kind of a straight line. It's about efficiency and effectiveness. Best yeah. management is the most efficient and the most effective. In exploration, there's an element of planned wandering mm. so that you can pick up what you need along the way. And for instance, you may be pondering and you say, wait a minute, I'm actually looking for the wrong thing. What I expected is not right. I need to rethink that again. And so these different steps that I'm talking around, uh-huh. you may be jumping back and forth between them. Okay. So from doing just 
Well, back to starting. Is that what you mean? Or uh, you, you uh, could be going back to starting or, or, or for instance, the, the next, uh, so this kind of, we're in this, in the heart of exploration, the doing phase, you've got the mm-hmm. pondering. The next step is what we call landmarking. Okay. And in landmarking, you start identifying insights. So you've been pondering, you've been thinking about it, and you start realizing things. And we mm. call that, those insights, we call landmarks. Um there's different different phrases that are used. Some people may call it an insight. Some may call it kind of a point of wisdom. Some may call it some knowledge. Maybe call it, you know a, the, a theory or mm. something. But the landmark is that core insight that is gained while you're pondering. Okay. And you may gain an insight while you know you, a landmark may come, and it may force you to go back and ponder even further or deeper. Right. And so right. that's why I'm saying you can jump around. Okay. So landmarking is the key insight. Like, for instance, you look at uh, Lewis and Clark, they're heading across uh, North America and they discover mountains. Yeah. You know, well, we didn't, what, what do we do about that? <laughs> right. What do, where, where do we go from here? Right. And there's all kinds of landmarks. Like for a few years ago, there was an expedition that I was on and I'd been taught, it was, it was, it was an organization and we were basically helping them start a whole new department. Okay. And so I was meeting people and we'd identified kind of nodes of influence. And there was, there was a node of influence up in the Seattle area. There was another one uh, that was in the Chicago area. There were some things in Texas, Washington, DC. There were several places. New York city was another one. So we saw some places where there are nodes of influence. Hmm. Uh, Pittsburgh was another one. And in the midst Hmm. of doing that, there was this name that kept coming up. And it was a, a, a man in a kind of a small town in, in Pennsylvania that ran a bookshop. Huh. And it was kind of like, okay, this is, a, who is this guy? Hmm. And as I would talk to different people, I kept hearing this name. Huh. And so finally, after a period of time, I decided to, to go visit this person. It was just a couple hours from where I lived, and I went and visited this person. Much to my surprise, what I had found out is this person very thoughtful, ran an independent bookshop named uh-huh. Byron Borger, well, hmm. well-known man in, in kind of circles of faith and work. Okay. And it turns out Byron did book reviews and he went to conferences and he hmm. recommended books. And what we discovered is that Byron was a man who was influencing people way beyond. And so he was like literally hmm. a key animator of this whole network based on the books that he identified, the authors that he recommended, and the guidance that he was given. Wow. And it was, he was a land, he was literally, it was a landmark that we discovered. And I remember right. when I first explained it to some of the people I was working with, I said, I don't know quite who this guy is, but everybody seems to know him and he seems to be yeah. having some influence. And so then what do you do with that? Well, what we did with that, uh, in that case, got acquainted with him, better understood who he was. And when For the Life of the World came out, he was one of the first people we went to to tell them about For the Life of the World. Oh. And he told his his readers and for a period of time was one of the top distributors of For the Life of the World in the whole country. Wow. Wow. That's cool. That's cool. And so, um, right. Okay. So landmark, you've, you ponder. And then as you ponder, you, you're, it sounds like you're talking to people, you're learning, you're um, asking questions. And then in this case, you found this guy and then, uh, yeah. And so then once you landmark various insights, what do you, what do you do with those insights? Is that well, the next step? That's yeah. the next step. It's orienteering. Right. And so what ends up okay. happening 
is as you start identifying landmarks, and in this particular case, that landmark, when I first realized it, it had no context. Hmm. And so some landmarks have context, some landmarks that don't. And orienteering is when you start putting the landmarks together to create a new value chain, to figure out the path forward. Uh, Remember the old Hansel and Gretel where they were leaving little crumbs along the way to create a trail? Yeah. In in orienteering, you're taking the landmarks that you've learned, uh, landmarks about a place, landmarks about a situation, landmarks about people. It could be whatever is happening. And I and I think I want to say that just to pause there for a second. Uh-huh. Exploration can happen in any field, any industry, any mm-hmm. place. It can happen in a church. It can happen in mm-hmm. a school. It can happen in a manufacturing plant. Yeah. People have said to me, what industry do you work in? And I say, I work in the exploration industry. Mm-hmm. And the principles apply to whatever department or organization that you're in. So in okay. orienteering, you're putting together the landmarks that have grown out of your pondering, and you're figuring out a path forward. Okay. That's why when I said earlier, these are not straight lines, you, have, yeah. you may have to wander a little bit to pick up what you need in order to take that next step. Right, right. So that's that's the heart. Pondering, landmarking, and orienting, orienteering. That's the heart of exploration. Okay. There's the starting that what happens before. And then that leads us to the third phase, which is the finding phase. Kind okay. of getting to where we wanted to go. And it's the realization. And in the realization is, you know, we, when we see explorers, you see Neil Armstrong on the moon putting the flag down. Or you see Edmund Hillary at the top of Mount Everest. Or Amundsen. Yeah down at the, the South Pole, putting the flag up. Those are very clear realizations. They, they knew mm-hmm. what they were going. They put the flag. Dream is realized. Yeah. The reality in life, the realizations in our life are not always that clear. Mm. When did I become, you know, I realized I was an adult. You know, when did that right. happen? Well, it's a series right. of things. You know, when right. this move to our house, I could I could identify a bunch of steps along the way that were kind of we were always realizing a house. But I even sitting here today, uh, you know, I haven't found everything. I still got things in boxes. Am I here? Hmm. Have I moved? Yes, I've moved. But do I really yeah. feel like I've moved yet? Well, I'm right. still trying to find my way out. You know, when do I right. realize? And so, in, right. in in exploration, that realization phase is it may take progressively over time. The other thing that I would say, and I think this is where exploration and management can be fundamentally different. Yeah. If remember, we started this by saying, what do we expect? What's the dream? Yeah. What's the hope? Yeah. When I'm managing, I've got this place that's been reached or this thing that I've created, and I created one, and now I'm going to create 10 more just like it. Hmm. In exploration, what I realize may look very different than what I expected, but it's accomplished everything. Right. Okay. But you still need that initial expectation uh, in order to get started? Well, you totally you totally need that expectation. And I think what my point that I'm trying to say there, Marcus, uh-huh. is that since you're going to a place that you haven't been, what you realize may accomplish all the characteristics of what you were expecting, Uh but it may not quite look like what you thought it was going to look like. Right, right. Um, hmm. So uh, I wonder, 
do you ever encounter you know, when someone comes to a place or an organization comes to a place where they're like, wow, this isn't what we expected. Do you ever get any pushback or do you, resistance or certain people in an organization? Do they say, well, this isn't what we were looking for or trying to get to? And, yeah, so, yeah. Sometimes I'll get that. I mean, I had a situation a number of years ago where we were, they'd asked us to explore and we found something. It was actually a bigger opportunity than anything that they were thinking about. And they said, nah, 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 we don't want to do that. Hmm. You know, yeah. we don't want to do that. Wow. Which then leads you actually. This is where the real the you go from realization to evaluation. Okay, and that that's the last step. And, and one thing I would say is that this these steps is I've studied great explorers, whether it's you know Lewis and Clark who I've referred to, or, or Thomas Edison in the mm-hmm. word, w- world of invention. Uh, the the principles of exploration in one way or another are done by the explorers, the inventors, the creators throughout time. These steps typically are all followed. They, they don't yeah. use these words. And that's what's always fascinated me. When I first started the exploration group, I had seen these steps of exploration. And, and I, I kept looking to find the book of who had written about it. Because it was so obvious as I studied explorers that they were all doing this. I figured mm. there must be kind of a map. Yeah. And, and it wasn't there. <laughs> Huh. It just wasn't there. I went to the Royal Geographic Society in London looking because I, I I found a course that they had taught about teaching people to be explorers. Hmm. And I thought for sure I'd find this kind of uh, framework of, of how explorers were trained, only yeah. discover it was not there. And what wow. they had done in their classes, they taught people how to use the tools of exploration, but they didn't, you know, they didn't have a process. So, okay. But let me get let me just kind of jump to the last step and then sure. we can go some more questions. The yeah, yeah. evaluation. So once once an kind of a, a realization has occurred, once that goal has been reached, we find that they, they there's an evaluation phase that happens. And there's a there's a couple of different parts of that. One part is what did we what do we know now that we didn't know before? Mm. So what do we what do we know now that we didn't know before? That's good. Secondly, is what don't we need that we used to need that we've picked up along the way? Say that again. What do we? What don't we need? What don't we need? That we used to need that we picked up along the way. Hmm. This is, uh, we were talking earlier about the kind of cleaning house. I yeah. think we, we tend to travel heavy as people. Mm. Mm-hmm. And there are processes and tools that were used in a day gone by. In, in this recent move we did, and I discovered some wires that we don't need anymore. They used to work in machines that we had in the past. They're no longer needed. Mm. I don't need that anymore. Light right. load. So what right. don't we need right. anymore? I, I, I've used the illustration. You had a lot of people in the Conestoga wagons that went across the United States in the 1800s that the sewing machine or the China cabinet that made all kinds of sense back in Missouri or in Chicago, that once you yeah. got to the Rocky Mountains, didn't seem to make sense anymore as you were going up here. Right, right. And in, in, in ships, you hear, you know, the lightning load. Yeah, and yeah. What, what don't we need that we once did? So right. that's the second point. Um, <clears throat> so the third kind of point of evaluation is what do we see now? And one of my favorite exploration stories there was there was a group that was the the british trigometric uh, society and they were involved in in the himalayas in 
tracking the mountains, how tall the various mountains were. And they had found in the 1800s, kind of early to mid-1800s, they'd found a mountain that was the tallest mountain in the Himalayas. And they were all excited about it. And they were climbing it to basically figure out its height. And they were Mm. doing the work to figure that out. And they get up this mountain. And as they get up this mountain, they're looking off in the distance. And they see another mountain that they Hmm. had never seen before. Hmm. And it wasn't until they got there that they could see what turns out to have been Mount Everest. Really? They'd never, they thought they'd found the highest mountain, but based on where they were, they hadn't been able to see it. So the third point of evaluation is what do we see now? Yeah. What do we see? Wow. There might be another mountain to climb. <laughs> there might be another mountain to climb. There's something oh, beyond. Yeah. You know, you're, you're going to this goal, but there's something else that you found. The fourth point in evaluation is this. And I've, I've watched this play out in, in some of the expeditions that we've done. Mm-hmm. We discover a new possibility, a new way forward. It is possible, but it's going to mean change and it's going to take work. Yeah. And I've had staffs of organizations say to me, this is great. Can we get back to the way it used to be? Yeah, right. Can we go back? Oh. And I've watched that one. That's probably the biggest the biggest enemy, yeah. the biggest problem of an organization really – capitalizing on what's discovered in exploration is that it does mean change. It does Mm -hmm. mean change in the status quo. And people say, I want to go back to the way it used to be. And in the process, end up defeating any possibilities they could to have a new and fresh future. You're right. So those, Marcus, are the steps of exploration. What do you expect? Making the decision to cross the crossroads, identifying landmarks, orienteering forward, realization, getting to that dream, and then the evaluation. Yeah. Um, so uh, let me reflect a little bit on on all this. So uh, I'm a pastor and uh, have been working in you know, churches for a long time. And uh, this seems really, really uh, applicable and appropriate and helpful for churches because we do live in a time that is much different than it was, you know, back in the middle of the 20th century. And uh, most of us who've been to seminary have, you know, we were prepared for churches that, you know, just kind of, you did it, you did this and that, and then people started coming. Uh, You know, the way you used to plant churches was um, a denomination would purchase a piece of property and then send a pastor and he'd go knocking door to door and say, hey, we're going to start a in you know a Presbyterian church or a Lutheran church or a Methodist church and and then people would just start showing up the people who came from that tradition would just start coming and they would and they, you'd have a church right and so but that's just not the world that we live in anymore and uh, I'm just thinking about in in my so interestingly uh, at one o'clock today it's ten forty eight my time so one o'clock my time it'll be four your time I'm going to interview. Um, Daniel and JSO, uh, who are church planters here in San Diego, about how church planting is different now than it used to be. Uh, and I wonder, I'll, I'll be interested to see what principles of exploration they may have just sort of found on their own and, and what overlap there might be. But, um, you know, we just, it, it doesn't work the way it used to. And so exploration, I think, for 
for churches today, for ministries in general, um, is, is, um, so important. Um, and people get, you know, people, churches, myself included, there are times literally where I have thought to myself, boy, it'd have been a lot easier if I'd been a pastor in the sixties, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, and I bet, I bet I could have had a really big church because people, you know, they just kind of went to church and, um, you know, anyway, so, so I've had those thoughts, but that's just not, you know, and then I think about, uh, Frodo and Gandalf, you know, Frodo says, I wish I didn't have to, you know, it, it wasn't my my responsibility to carry the ring. He said, "Oh, you know, everyone who faces such times wishes they didn't have to face such times. But all we can do is what we can do with the time given to us. Something like that." And uh, right. And so, what what do we do in a time when the future is unclear and even the present is unclear? And uh, so, these principles of exploration, these this way of exploration, seems really. Um, just really good and helpful. Well, let me yeah. let me pick up on that. I, yeah. I, I couldn't I couldn't agree with you more. As I I think we've had a tendency to think that we could control, and mm, I, yeah. I don't think actually that was ever true. Mm. I mean, there's there's certain things we can guide and we can direct, but this perception uh-huh. that I can control or I can think make things happen, yeah. you know, as a person of faith, I think that that's. It's actually, if we really think about it, we'd realize how absurd that idea is. Yeah. Um, and if you were to quote scripture, it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It doesn't say right. I can do all things. Right. You know, it's, there's a sense yeah. of there's something beyond me. And, and I, I think that yeah. as people of faith, I would like to believe we have a greater capacity for exploration mm. because we do recognize there is something beyond ourselves. Yeah. And, and I think your, your comment about, you know, kind of the, the Frodo, I think, you know, it's reading mm-hmm. the times. What is going on around me? What is, what's in my hand? And, and I think that there, there is a certain sense if we acknowledge that the world does have, and I'll, I'll use the word chaos. Uh, another word could be unknown. If we mm-hmm. recognize that there is unknown and chaos, you then say, how do I work forward in that? And I think at that mm-hmm. point, exploration makes very, very much sense. The other observation that I would make there is that I think exploration actually is a very natural step. I think it's mm. children everywhere are exploring as yeah. they seek to learn and understand the world. And so I find exploration is very intuitive. You know, and, and frankly, one of the best compliments that, that I get is people say, well, that, that just makes sense to me. Yeah. I said, yeah, it does. But there's never really been a vocabulary for it. We have, mm. a, we have vocabulary for management. We have vocabulary for controlling. What we haven't had is a vocabulary for how do we deal with chaotic times or unknown yeah. times? Because I think it doesn't mean, you know, kind of the, the answer is that we're going to suddenly control everything. Yeah. But I think what exploration does is says there's a way forward even when we don't know. Yeah. Just got to find it. <laughs> right. We got to find yeah. it. And we also have to be willing. And, and if you noticed, as I was, you know, walking through the kind of the way of exploration, I didn't say at the end of it, you're going to be guaranteed to have an answer. It, oh. You may, you may come to the end of it and say, you know what? This didn't make sense. Right. But you've learned something along the way. And that, that right. was one of the insights that I gained, whether, you know, you look at, at Thomas Edison, he said, one of the, one of the, the great tools of exploration was the big trash heap behind where you tried a bunch of things that didn't work, but you learned something every step of the way. Yeah, yeah. And we we have tended to buy into an idea that if it doesn't work, it's a failure. 
right. where I would say if it doesn't work, it's been a learning experience yeah. to move forward. Which is not a failure. Which is not right. a failure. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. Um, I wonder, do you have any uh, examples of exploration, like organizations you've worked with that you've taken through this process and kind of what the outcomes are? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's there's a number. We've we've worked with over 50 different groups now mm. these last number of years. And, you know, there's one group which I helped. Uh, they were they wanted to have a, create a whole new department. And so we helped them build the networks and the connections to build a whole new department in this organization. Mm. And we used exploration principles to do that. Uh, there's been a couple of times where I've worked with individuals who were trying to figure out the way forward. I remember one of the situations where actually the wife said to her husband, I think you're stuck. You need to work with Dwight Gibson. He can help you to get mm. unstuck. <laughs> That's cool. And he came back to me a few years later and said, Dwight, what you did really helped me figure out a path forward. I worked with a person that right, was cool. kind of anticipating retirement and trying to figure out how to na- navigate that. I, mm. I, I wow. One time I worked very fast. I worked with a band. Uh, that was trying to figure huh. out the next steps of their career. And it was, huh. you know, four guys in a band and they had been together for many years, but now we're at a point in life where they had, they, they had children, their, their families, their wives, and they didn't want to be on the road all the time. And so yeah. we helped them figure out not only a new business model, but help them kind of step into their new careers. Hmm. So that's kind of more of a, a coaching thing. Yeah. Uh, a group out of Colorado a few years ago helped them launch. A, uh, they had never done any research in their organization. They had a lot of anecdotal stories of the benefit of what they were doing. Mm-hmm. We helped them figure out a path forward on doing research. So not mm-hmm. in addition to the anecdotal stories, there was actually kind of research that was done uh, that we helped them figure out how to, to move forward on. So yeah, yeah a number of different situations uh, that we've done. I've helped a couple of international organizations figure out a path forward, yeah. uh, helped some groups set up fundraising departments. Um, again, every in every case, the kind of the common line, Marcus, was um, they're here and they're trying to get here. I had another group yeah. worked with in Detroit. It was a church that was, uh, this was a few years ago. Now that we're getting close to 2020, Hmm. It must've been 2015. We were helping them figure out their 2020 goals. Wow. Where, where would, where did they want to be five years from now? And so we helped yeah. them think through kind of a step beyond where they were to the critical goal, goals going forward in the future. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so you have worked with churches, uh, or at least this one. Yeah. Yeah. Worked with churches, worked with pastors. So yes, very wow, much so. Cool. So, um, one of the things I'm always interested in, and, uh, you know, I'll ask you this and then maybe one other, one other question, I think, um, what, what, uh, what are the qualities like that a leader needs, whether it's a pastor or a CEO or whatever, or, or anyone who's engaging a process of exploration? Like, what are some of the qualities that you need in order to, to explore well and get to where whatever's next is? <laughs> one would be humility. Humility, it's the humility okay. to know that you don't know everything and there's things to still learn. Yeah. So I think that the humility that I don't know all the answers and that maybe I can learn something from somebody else, from a book, from a conference, from, you know, so that would be humility. Yeah. Yeah. Two would be to think beyond your industry and, mm. you know, whatever, you know, if, if it, you know, it's the, it, it, the church industry, since we're, you know, you're yeah, the sure. is focused on it. So thinking about the church yeah. industry, the, the manufacturing industry, the service industry, look, look beyond your own organization. I had a, a situation a number of years ago where it was, it was an engagement that didn't happen. And I remember the person saying to me, 
in order to work in our industry, you need to kind of know this. Hmm. And I remember thinking to myself, hmm, I wonder how long they're going to last because I could hear kind of zero sum game thinking. Yeah. It's like you ha- and I think that's, that's the way that so much of our country and our world has been set up is that there's certain bits you need to learn. And that's, and if you don't know those, you can't function in the industry. It's one of the reasons yeah. I think that I, I've really tended to work with the nonprofits because mm. they're mission focused, not industry focused. Mm. And they yeah. will bag and borrow and learn from anybody that can help them accomplish the mission. So I think, you know, willing to think beyond your industry. So um, just, so let me ask clarifying question. So when you say think beyond your industry, I, I guess for what purpose, to what, to what end exactly, just to learn to, things from other industries or? Well, th- there's, there's what I call an exploration. I call it my theory of adjacency. And the theory of adjacency is that you take this certain road to work every day and you see everything mm. that's on that road. And after a while, you just assume that's the way to get from here to there. Right. And then one day there's a, something happens and you have to take a road that's kind of two streets over. Mm-hmm. And in the process, you actually discover another way to get there that has different houses, different buildings, maybe a different store. And you gain new insight. It still allows you to get to where you go, but you can gain new insight. I think at times, as we look to other industries, we can gain knowledge that actually has an application in ours that we've never thought was possible. Yeah, that's good. Okay, that's helpful. Um, Any other uh, qualities? I remember one of the things you mentioned earlier was an open spirit. Yes. Um, I guess that goes along with humility, but maybe say a little bit more about well, that. The, the open spirit, you know, the, the humility is the willingness to admit you don't know everything. Mm-hmm. The openness is to actually willing to go do something about it, mm. uh, to read, to listen, uh, you know, listen to a different radio station, read a different author, uh, go to a different yeah. store, you know, talk to some yeah. different people. I mean, we've, yeah. we've, there's been a lot of talk about tribes in our countries, yeah. and at times tribes become very inner focused. And yeah. I think it's this, it's this openness to, to look beyond where you are. And then I think, you know, the last thing, the last thing, um, that I would say, and I, there are, there are more things I could sure. say, but is, is this aspect of just willing to change the status quo, mm-hmm. uh, willing to change the status quo. You hold on to what you need to hold on to, but you yeah. recognize that maybe, um, the why stays the same, but the how may need to change if you're yeah. going to move forward. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Um, in uh, the word that comes to mind for me, um, uh, maybe there's a more spiritual word. You wouldn't necessarily use this with other organizations, but is the the, the word I'm thinking of is surrender. Um, there's a, a level of just being open handed with what you've got and letting God give and take. Here's what you can keep and what I want you to keep doing, and here's something new that I would like you to hold now and carry with you. Um, and uh, uh, but that that requires well that open spirit humility surrender I guess is the word that kind of comes to mind for me. Yeah, it's a good but, word. Um, yeah, a good word. Yeah. Let me ask. Uh, yeah, one more question. Uh, do you have any resources that you would recommend uh, if people want to? Well, one one that I would them? would direct is the the exploration group has a website and the it's uh, exploreadelphia dot com and then there's blogs and information okay. and ways to contact us there and so I would I would encourage people to look at that and and a number of these different steps of exploration are are outlined there with some stories and, and things uh, behind it and so that that's one mm-hmm. way that I would go. I mean, the other is that okay. obviously we do work 
work with various organizations. So, you know, as appropriate can be of assistance and whether it's mm-hmm. speaking or actually doing what we call scouting trips or expeditions. So those are, those mm-hmm. are other resources, but I think the website would Very be a cool. great place to start. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, that sounds great. So exploradelphia.com. Uh, I'll put a link to that in the show notes and, uh, Hopefully people can find you. Um, oh, last question. Have you started writing the book? Because this sounds like a great book. You know what? I, <laughs> you're, uh, let's just say there's a number of people who are pushing me on this, and I am actually working uh-huh. on it. And when we are done today, I've, I'm setting aside an hour every day to, to spend time on writing. It is, uh, let's Good just say you. talking is a more natural act for me than writing. Yeah. And so yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. working. And, and what, I, what we've actually done, Marcus, is to, is to outline, these these concepts kind of what expecting crossroads pondering landmarks and uh, today i'm working on the realization chapter at this point so oh nice awesome i'm very happy to hear that um hey well dwight thank you so much for um yeah being here today and uh i feel like i learned a lot i've, I've been taking notes i mean I'm going to listen to this again anyway, but uh, (laughs) I've been taking notes on all this thinking, man, this is so good. And how can I start, you know, implementing some of this stuff? Um, So thanks so much for yeah being here and for this good work that you're doing. And uh, I bet a lot of, a lot of people have been blessed by, by, by you and by this process. Well, thank you for your, thank you for your very kind words. And I, um, uh, I'm grateful for the opportunity to explore one of the things that I kind of make a list every day of the things that I'm grateful for. And often I'll, I'll just say, thank God for making me to be an explorer. So it's, it's a great opportunity. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think it's, uh, when the, when the scripture says that we are to kind of go forth and multiply, I think there's an aspect of that. It's not just procreation. It's mm-hmm. also discovery. And we have an amazing mm-hmm. world and there's much to discover. And I think exploration is the way to do it. So here's the pushback I imagine hearing. You know, maybe you say, but Marcus, what if we don't find the right way? What if all this exploration leads to another failed program or another failed business or another failed ministry? Well, I love what Dwight says about failure. Uh, when it comes to exploration, the outcome is never failure because you always learn something Right, That new knowledge will help as you continue to explore and learn and experiment. I'm also reminded of this. Jesus never promised us success. Right, What he promised was that he would always be with us. And as ministry leaders, Jesus doesn't call us to discover the next great ministry program. What Jesus calls us to is to stay close to him as we explore. And he will lead us. Uh, you know, I think that this language of exploring new paths, new ideas, new ways of being is for those of us in ministry really just another way of talking about following Jesus, right? Because following means that we're going somewhere. And if we get stuck in our ways, if we're resistant to exploring and trying new things, I'm not really sure you could call that following Jesus because you're just staying where you are. Well, if you want to connect with Dwight, I invite you to go to his website. And his website is www.exploradelphia.com. That's E-X-P-L-O-R-A-D-E-L-P-H-I-A.com. And there's a link to that in the show notes. I've also included uh, some resources in the show notes. 
Uh, I've got two books by Ronald Heifetz about adaptive leadership that relates uh, quite a bit to what we talked about in this episode, and also a book titled Undaunted Courage uh, by Stephen Ambrose, which is a fantastic book that I read a few years ago about Lewis and Clark. Uh, you can find the show notes at www.marcuswatson.com slash category slash podcast. And then go to episode 25, the page for episode 25. And don't forget Marcus Watson, Marcus with a K, with a K. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for being here today. Uh, My prayer for you is that you would stay close to Jesus in all of your exploring. Uh, And may you be humble and open to discovering and engaging the new thing that God is doing in your context. Good to be with you today, and I will see you next time here on Spiritual Life and Leadership. Thank you.